Trenton's graduating. <laughs> what, what did you say? Praise God. Oh, praise God, he's graduating. Okay. <laughs> all right. And uh, welcome to all of our guests. And we also have Dan Dorsey back. Man. So he uh, put in his four years in the Marines, and now he's back here. I'd love to have you back here with us. <laughs> no pressure, but... <laughs> Mother's Day is a special day. And uh, I want to just say thank you for all the work you moms do. Um, guys will never really understand what being a mother is. Of course, mothers will never really understand what being a father is either, but anyway, it goes both ways. I saw some uh, Mother's Day cards, handmade Mother's Day cards. So I thought they were kind of cute, so I'm going to show them to you. Let's see, that would be that first slide. There we go. It's actually the second one. <clears throat> see if they're going here. And I will... I don't have a screen up in front of me, so I'm just not able to do that. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. Okay, there's the first one. As I was reading this, there's a lot of, you know, I couldn't really read that one side, but the other side says, I know you love money, but I have none this time. Sorry. So if anybody got a Mother's Day card like that, yeah. All right, here was the next one. Thank you, Mom, for being wonderful, caring, and not making your meatloaf anymore. So, <laughs> all right, dear mom, thank you for doing everything for me, but why don't you let me have desserts? <laughs> then the rest is nice. Okay, I like this one, dear mom. Thank you for taking good care of me. I hope you do better things for me. <laughs> I think I have. Is there one more? Ah, oh, yeah. I like, this is creative. I love you, Mom. And then there's, you know, M-O-M, what it spells out. M, my number one mom. O, over the hill. <laughs> M is married, so, okay. Let's see, is that the next one? Oh, this one would be something that a mother probably wrote to their child. And it says, a little hard to read, but it says, what, um, want to know today's Wi-Fi password? Number one, make your bed. Number two, vacuum the carpet. Number three, walk the dog. And then I guess after that, she'd let them know what the password was so they could get on. This next one's the last one. I guess this mom had a creative way of handling when her kids didn't get along. So here's the next one. It says, our get-along shirt. They don't look real happy as I'm looking at that. But evidently, when they're not getting along very well, she gets out the get-along shirt. And they, uh... So, if that gives anybody any inspiration, go ahead and you can go with that. I am going to... Uh, I've actually shared this message before, but I thought it was just timely. I'm going to do it again. And the title of it is, The Faith of a Mother. Now, this can be applied beyond Mother's Day. This can apply to anybody in here. But um, we're going to be looking at a mom in the Old Testament. And we're going to be seeing um, her faith as pertaining to some situations that were happening for her family. So the faith of a mother. And the, uh, 
the background, we're going way back to the patriarchs. Okay, you've got Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Jacob. Um, and then there's Joseph. Jacob had 12 sons. They became the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph was one of those sons. Their family had some problems. And they didn't all get along. Joseph's older brothers sold him into slavery, deceived their father into thinking their brother died, but they really sold him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt as a slave. But God, through what only God can do, Joseph ends up becoming the second highest uh, in position in the land of Egypt. Because God used him to prevent a, well not prevent, but have them, there was a famine that was going to come that would destroy the nations. And anyway, there's, there's a whole story there. Well, the famine did come. Egypt was ready for it. No one else was. And so Joseph's father, his brothers, and there was a, the family was up to about 70 people by that time, came to Egypt to be with Joseph. Joseph said he would take care of them. So that's the background to what we're going to read in Exodus chapter 1. So let me read this passage, then we'll get into the points. So this is Exodus chapter 1, starting with verse 6. In time, Joseph and each of his brothers died, ending that generation. But their descendants had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so quickly that they soon filled the land. Then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He told his people, These Israelites are becoming a threat to us because there are so many of them. We must find a way to put an end to this. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they'll join our enemies and fight against us. Then then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves and put brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down under heavy burdens. They forced them to build the cities of Python and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more quickly the Israelites multiplied. The Egyptians soon became alarmed and decided to make their slavery more bitter still. They were ruthless with the Israelites, forcing them to make bricks and mortar and to work long hours in the fields. Now there's some other things that happen, midwives and stuff. I'm going to skip all of that and go to verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw all the newborn Israelite boys into the Nile River, but you may spare the baby girls. So that was the edict of the land. Any baby boy, Israelite boy that was born, was to be thrown into the river, the Nile River. That's the setting for today's message. So around 1450 BC, somewhere in there, there's this woman named Jochebed. She has three kids. She has Aaron and Miriam. And who's the third? Moses. It's Moses. We're going to take a look at Jochebed because, I mean, this is pretty critical. She's just been told she has a baby boy. Throw him in the river. So, Father, we just uh, ask your blessing on this message today. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll help me just to share the things that you want me to share. Lord, may they be strength and life, God, to people today. And thank you, Father, that your word is living. And it works in us as we allow it to work in us. Have your way today, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first point that I want to go through is... uh, Excuse me here. 
Exodus 2 verses 1 and 2 says, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. We're just going to look at that. Jacob had had a, a courageous faith. She was going against what the leader of Egypt uh, had ruled. She, did, you know, Her son came into the world at a pretty perilous time. And I would venture to say <clears throat> that when children are born today, they're coming into a world at a perilous time. Do you, do you believe that? You know, I mean, it's just... And, and I'm not talking necessarily about wars, although there's wars all over the place. But spiritually, these are perilous times. And uh, I want us to look at some verses here. God does not want us to ever be afraid. You know, he told us not to fear. Because he's overcome the world. But he also told us to be alert. And be awake. And be aware. And so that's what we want to do. The, uh, the God of this age, and I'm not talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. Scripture says that Satan, the devil, I mean Jesus believed in them, Jesus talked about them. But he calls them the God of this age, the God of this world. And let's just look at some verses here. Alright, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. It says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Amen. I want to take a moment just to, to talk about that. Jesus is our life. Amen. The scripture tells very clearly that, that everyone was separated from God because of their sin. Sin separates people from God. And actually it puts them under God's judgment because all sin will be judged. I mean, it's very clear throughout Scripture. The scripture also says that God wasn't willing that any perish. He did not want people to be under His judgment, although He was going to judge sin. So, He sent Jesus, God the Son, he sent him to be born on this earth to live a life just like from birth on, just like we do, except that Jesus never did sin. Never. And the purpose for Christ coming was that he would become the sacrifice for all of our sins. God was going to punish sin. It was under his judgment. But he was going to punish his own son in our place. Because sin's going to be punished. So Jesus laid down his life. Our sins were placed on him as he was on that cross. He died for the sins of the world. That's what scripture says. And then God raised him back to life again. And he said, for anyone who will put their faith in Christ as the Son of God who died for their sins, if they will really believe that and repent and believe, turn from living your life without God to a life where you want to walk with God and receive Christ as your Savior. Scripture says that you would be born into God's kingdom. Born again. That's where that word comes from. You would become God's children. And he would be in your life as you walk through this life. And you would be with him forever after this life. Now I mean, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. 
He who has the Son has life. Do you have Jesus? You have life. Scripture never said having Jesus means you don't have problems. Scripture never says that. Okay? But you have life. You have life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You do not have the life of God in you. You are still separated from God. You are still under God's judgment, even though that's not what he wants. Uh, But look at this next verse, 1 John 5, 19. I'm just skipping a couple. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Are children born into perilous times today? Yes. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. The world is deceived. They can be in all kinds of religions or no religion at all. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to be deceived. A lot of ways. But the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Let's look at the words of Jesus, then we'll move on with our story. I'm sorry, I have to look back. This is just a blue screen up here. So, uh, John 8.44. Jesus is speaking with a group of people that thought they were doing the will of God. They thought they were in God's will and secretly they did not believe Jesus was the Son of God and they were trying to figure out a way to kill Him. So, that's the background. And Jesus said this, You belong to your father, the devil. Did Jesus believe in the devil? Obviously he did. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. No truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you think the devil's going to try to lie to our kids? Do you think the devil's going to try to lie to you? It's his nature. It's what he does. So, Jochebed had a courageous faith. I mean, her, her son was born into a time when the king of Egypt said, he must die, he must perish, he must be thrown into the river. The spirit of this world, and I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit, but the spirit of this world, this demonic uh, Influence. It wants to drown our kids. Not in the Nile River, but in other kinds of things. It wants to drown our kids in humanism. Where it's just man, that's all there is, there is no God. We live for ourselves, we do what we think is best. Humanism. And that is increasing around the world. Evolution. I was taught evolution when I went to school. That's been a few years ago. (laughs) Evolution is still a theory, but it's taught as a fact. (laughs) Oh, the devil wants to drown our kids in that kind of stuff. Just drown them in it. Hollywood? They're so interesting. I won't even go there. <laughs> okay. I won't even. Hollywood. If we let Hollywood raise our kids, oh my goodness, 
You'll have kids that are so self-focused, so self-indulgent, living for just the shallowest things, embracing such shallow things as the most important things in life. Our kids are, are born into perilous times. But you know what? Jochebed refused to hand her son over to the king. She refused to. She hid him for three months. Let's see if I got that here. Yes. Three months. A baby. How easy is it to hide a baby for three months? We, we went to Nathan's graduation and we ended up in a hotel room with Ryan. He's a cousin of ours and his wife and their baby was in a hotel room next to ours. We got in really late and uh, that baby was not happy to not be home. That baby was screaming for a really, really long time. And we were you know, in a room next door and it was loud for a really long time. Lori and I kind of looked at each other and it's like, yeah, you remember those days? Oh yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> they're long gone. Nathan doesn't do that anymore, but they're long gone. Those days are long gone. How do you hide a baby? I mean, can you reason with a baby? Please don't cry because you could get in trouble if you do. I mean, it was, it was a huge, courageous step of faith for this woman to keep this baby in her home for three months. It takes, it takes courageous faith to stand against the world, the king of Egypt or the god of this age. But you know what? Jesus will help every mom and every dad and every person stand against the threats of the God of this age. Amen. Okay? Jesus will help every single person. And when the world tries to get our kids, that does not have to happen. We can stand against that. But it, do, it takes faith. It takes faith. We need to raise our kids with faith, with a courageous faith. The second thing <clears throat> is that... Uh, Jochebed had a practical faith. It was practical. She, she created this environment that God could use. Okay? She didn't just like hope for the best. She didn't toss him in the river and say, okay, God, it's all in your hands how this works out. She didn't do that. She had this practical... <clears throat> she was doing what she could to make sure the king of Egypt did not get her son. And uh, she found out where Pharaoh's daughters would go to take their baths. She knew they had the power to save her son. I mean, she was thinking, what could she do? What could she do? The scripture up there shows us. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. She did what she could. We can create an environment that gives God opportunities to do a lot. As parents, we can do that. I'll focus on Lori this morning. It's Mother's Day. <clears throat> As the kids were growing up, 
Lori just pumped the Word of God into the kids. Just, they were in their Bibles every day. I mean, they were hearing it, and then when they were starting able to read, they were reading it. That was just a priority in Lori's life, is our kids are going to get God's Word in them. And then she had them memorizing Scripture. How much was it? How many? One of... They always said a Scripture every day, and they started with um, Colossians 3.20, Obey Your Parents. Oh, that's a good one to start with. Obey your parents, for this is pleasing. So... And that was the first verse they learned. <laughs> yes. It was a real priority. It's like Lori's faith was a practical faith. What can I do that will create an environment that God will be able to do great things through our kids in their lives and through their lives? And so she had them in God's Word. I mean, <clears throat> they were in God's Word so much that, you know, they, the kids, they weren't necessarily playing Ninja Turtle games and stuff. They played Bible games. Yeah, I mean, it's not like that's what we were trying to get to happen, but, you know, they would just, they were, they were, as little kids, they heard the Bible so much, it's like they would act out the stories in the Bible. I came home from, from uh, work one day, opened the front door, and there's Nathan standing there. I don't know, you were three years old or whatever, he was young, and he had 666 on his forehead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lindsay had something to do with that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. kids, there are some games you just, you know, some Bible stories you just... <laughs> but anyway, that was quite a day. The mark of the beast on my youngest child. So anyway, <clears throat> Lori gave him an example to follow too. You know, Lori lived for Jesus in front of the kids. Lori worshipped Jesus in front of the kids. The, the kids were in church all the time. Seeing people that loved God and worshipped God together. I mean, it just, it, it was intentional. It was a practical faith. You know, it, it's a practical faith also when it comes to raising kids. And so our kids, they grew up in church. And uh, there was family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they knew people. They grew up with kids together. And they had, we were from the Midwest, so we didn't have any immediate family, but church people were aunts and uncles to the kids and all of that. We got them in camps. Kids camps, youth camps. It, a practical faith. We wanted the things of God to be planted in our children through us and through others so that the God of this age would not be drowning our children in some river of whatever. So Jacob had had a courageous faith, but she also had a very practical faith. But the last one I want us to look at here is this one. <clears throat> she had a trusting faith. As she was putting pitch on that basket, sealing it with whatever it was sealed to make it waterproof, as she was doing that, there could have been all kinds of stuff going through her head. What if this leaks? I'm setting my kid out there in the water for it just to drown. You know, I mean, there's just... Who knows what kind of thoughts are going through her mind as she's doing what she can do? Is an alligator going to come along? What if the person that finds my baby 
obeys the king and just throws her. You know what I'm saying? And, and moms, let me tell you, I know that you get barraged with all kinds of thoughts that are fearful and negative. Just like Jochebed probably was. Jochebed couldn't control everything. She couldn't control everything. She just made a basket that would float. She put her child in it. She had, I don't know if, her, if she placed it or if the, little, the sister placed the, the, the basket in the reeds in that area. But after that, you just got to trust God. And if there's any moms, dads, or people in general today that can only have peace if you have complete control over everything, you will never have peace. You cannot control everything. There's a point, you do what you can, but you must trust God. Even with your kids. Even with your kids. Exodus 2, 5 and 6. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it. Let's see, am I, I'm not giving that to you here. There we go. There we go. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Man, I tell you what. God sent the perfect person. A, a young woman who had a heart for a child. She felt sorry for this baby. Jochebed had no control over that. But God did. We have to trust God. We do what we can do, but we have to trust God with the rest of it. And you know what? His faithfulness exceeded her hopes. She was just hoping that her son would live. But do you, you know the rest of the story. It was well beyond her son living. God worked this thing out so that when this uh, slave girl brings the basket over to the daughter of Pharaoh and she sees it's a Hebrew child and her heart is to keep the child, then the daughter says, do you want me to find somebody who can nurse this baby? <laughs> yes. Well, who do you think the daughter, the sister went to? The mom. The mom gets to nurse her own child and she gets paid for it. I mean, that was well beyond her expectations, but she just trusted. Now she got to raise her child and be paid by Pharaoh's daughter to raise the child. Oh, and I'm sure she poured the things of God into that child with the years she had because she was going to have to trust again. The day was coming when she had to deliver her little boy to Pharaoh's daughter and never have him back. Trust. She had to trust. Do you think she stopped praying for uh, Moses after she handed him over? I'm sure she prayed a lot. She had no idea. But her, her child was going to become the man that God would use to deliver the entire nation of Israel from Pharaoh. She didn't know that at the time. 
She was just a mom who loved her kid and she had a courageous faith. I'm not dumping this child in the river. And she had a practical faith. I will do what I can within my means to make sure that this child makes it. But she had a trusting faith too. God, the rest is in your hands. I pray that every one of us in this room will have a trusting faith. Otherwise you're tormented. Or you're you're running yourself into the ground always trying to be in control and make everything work out yourself. Yes, we have our part. But we trust. We trust God. Well, I told you the story. I could have read the verses to you, but I basically told it to you. So, um, Satan wanted to use the Nile River to destroy the nation of Israel. God used the Nile River to raise up a deliverer for the nation of Israel. And Satan may be telling some of you in here, I'm going to use this and I'm going to destroy your kids. Maybe they're already in stuff and it's breaking your heart. I'm going to use this and I'm going to destroy your kids. Let me tell you, trust God. No devil. God's going to use what's happened. And your kingdom is the kingdom that's going to be destroyed. Oh, I want, you, I want everyone to leave with hope today. Hope today. So I will put up my outline because if I took time to put it on the slide, I'm going to make sure you see it. So there we go. She had a courageous faith. I want to encourage you. If God is your strength, you can be very courageous. You can. She had a practical faith. Practical doesn't mean easy. (coughs) Pouring the things of God into your kids, that takes time. It just takes time. And they're not always real eager to sit there and take it either. Man, our, our kids weren't always saying, man, I just want to memorize more scripture. Give it to me now. Give it to me. <laughs> it's not always easy. Practical faith takes effort. It takes time. But when you're sowing the things of God, there's a sowing and there's a reaping. And when you're sowing, there will be a reaping that comes. You know, our kids are in church. Our kids are following God. But there were times when we just had to trust. I want to close the service. I want to pray for everybody. But as I was praying about how to close the service, um, the impression I had was that there are some, and it's not just moms, it can be other circumstances also, but... um, they're having a difficult time trusting God in the circumstances they're in. And, is, and they're not able to control everything, although some of them would like to, but they just can't. And now, it's doing what you can do, 
but learning to trust. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for people today. And I'm not going to have you come forward. You don't have to come forward. But God wants you to trust Him with that thing or those things that have been heavy on your heart. And I want to pray with you about that. A trusting faith. I'll have the worship team come on up here. Let's stand together. If you're losing sleep over some things, if there are some things that just keep coming and and just weighing you down, I want to encourage you. God does not want you to live like that. He has better things for you than that. Matter of fact, He probably has better things that are beyond even what you were possibly thinking. Jacobin just wanted her son to survive. And she ends up being paid to raise him. Pretty awesome. (laughs) There might be some things where you're thinking, if I could just have this, that would be enough. And God is saying, I have more. I have more than that for you. Trust me. Trust me. Some of you have kids that kind of wandered from the Lord. Let me tell you. Trust God. Have a practical faith. Do what you can, but trust God. Trust God. Father, I want to pray for each person today who is... uh, They're struggling with trusting you. It may be a problem that has been around so long that they're having a hard time trusting you. Lord, I pray for them today. I pray that they will see how much you care. Maybe they've Maybe they've come to the place where they're not sure you even care or can do anything about this. But you can. All things are possible. And Lord, I pray that they would be able to place this thing in your hands and say, God, I trust you with this. I trust you. I believe you're going to do great things. I trust you so much that I'm going to thank you every day for working in this area. I'm going to thank you for being over it and working it and weaving it together and causing your will to come out. And I'm not going to allow the enemy to steal my peace every day. I'm not going to allow him to fill me with fear that paralyzes me. I'm not going to do that anymore. God, I trust you. I trust you. And Father, for those 
They kind of need a, a jump start on the practical faith of actually just doing what they can do to create an environment that you'll work in. Lord, help them. Show them what you'd have them to do in a practical way. In a practical way, Father. And Lord God, you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We will see your will done. Church, what I want us to do now is I want us to thank God right now that he is working in these circumstances and let's give him a big thanks right now. Let's do it. Let's give him a big thanks. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. We worship you, God. You are so much greater than any circumstance. And Lord... We give you the praise. <laughs> we give you the praise. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to close the service with worship. If you wanted prayer for anything, you're welcome to come. We'll close with worship. Yeah.